Welcome to AJHP Voices, a series of discussions with AJHP authors and interviews focused on contemporary practice issues. AJHP is the official journal of ASHP, and its mission is to advance science, pharmacy practice, and health outcomes. Hi, this is Daniel Koba, the Editor-in-Chief of AJHP. Thanks for joining us for this episode of AJHP Voices. We'll be discussing the CPO Perspectives article, Stabilizing the Pharmacy Technician Workforce as an Imperative for the Chief Pharmacy Officer, which was recently published on AJHP.org. Our guests are Matthew Rewald, Pharmacy Technician Education Coordinator at Mayo Clinic, Tom Waller, President, TWWRX, LLC, and Dr. Mark Sullivan, Associate Chief Pharmacy Officer at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. Thanks for joining us, gentlemen. So I want to start really, you know, the the title of the article that you wrote, Stabilizing the Pharmacy Technician Workforce as an Imperative for the Chief Pharmacy Officer. But, you know, Matthew, I'm wondering if you could start us off talking about the root causes of the shortage of pharmacy technicians. Yes, certainly. Thank you for having me and having this important discussion as it relates to the pharmacy technician workforce. I think there are a lot of reasons and root causes behind why the pharmacy technician profession is experiencing such an extreme shortage. To be honest, I think that many of the root causes regarding the reasons for this shortage have been around for decades in our profession. I believe that since 2020, many of these concerns have become compounded due to the recent events uh, that have occurred. So some of these root causes in my mind really relate to continually being asked to do more with less. We hear that phrase commonly in our profession. I think as pharmacy technicians, we have, as a career, always had a challenge with professional identification in regards to what does it mean to be a pharmacy technician? Is a pharmacy technician just a part-time job you are going through while you're working towards something else in your career? Or is it a lifelong career that provides stability and advancement opportunities? So I think since 2020, a lot of these issues have just become compounded with many of the environmental changes going on. In addition to that, again, just being thrown into increasingly advanced roles without potentially increased compensation or additional support in FTE. All of these kind of fit together to form this shortage that we're experiencing. Mark, Tom, what would you add to that? Any other root causes? Well, we started looking at this in the spring of 20 and were astounded by the number of jobs in our market in this compensation range. So you could go work at a office job making similar salary without having to maintain competencies in sterile compounding, without having to know what you needed to have in your toolbox for a joint commission or state board of pharmacy survey, without being exposed to sick people and people who had COVID. So I think delineating to Matt's point, the value of the pharmacy technician in health system pharmacy practice is something we may have lost sight of a little bit as we sought to expand practice and add roles for technicians without having infrastructure behind that expansion to make sure we had good candidate pools coming into the profession, good training for those candidates, and then good onboarding to get them started with their careers. What else would you add? 
Yeah, I would, I would say this is classic supply demand. Uh, Mark, you spoke to the supply side of things. Um, Matt, you know, spoke to the demand side of it. I just add on the demand side, I think we, we as a profession have done a nice job of identifying new opportunities for pharmacy technicians and pharmacy technicians uh, almost across the board have stepped up and done a great job of adding value in the healthcare system. So uh, it's sort of a, a product of our own success to a certain degree. Got it. Mark, from your perspective as a pharmacy executive, what are the implications then of the shortage for pharmacy practice and the healthcare system at large? Great question, Dan. The first thing that strikes me is if you're in a facility that's gone to an all-certified technician complement, and now you're in this situation where you're unable to recruit certified technicians. You're downgrading your recruitment process to be able to get registered technicians if that's a requirement in your state. You've got longer lead times to get these technicians competent in the workplace with the complexity of of what you're doing in your pharmacy. So that's added cost and expense and time that you may not have in your infrastructure to support your technician complement. I think also the other impact is we're having to back down pharmacists from the advanced roles that we advocated and have them in, in direct patient care, back down into the pharmacy to be able to manage dispensing because we literally do not have the bodies in the pharmacy to do those roles. And so we're having to put pharmacists back in those roles and and go back 10 years and lose all the advancements that we've made. Tom, do you share those perspectives? I do, and I would certainly add that there's a patient safety element of this as well, because the technicians have become, and we've become dependent on the work that the technicians do. And especially in the area of the interface with technology, the technicians are the ones that know the ins and outs. So when we run short of pharmacy technicians, I worry about the proper checks and balances with that technology taking place. So Matthew, in the article, you identified four priority areas for chief pharmacy officers. Can can you run us through what those priority areas were? And we're going to talk about them a bit more at length, but just maybe if you could tell us what was identified. Yeah, certainly. I think as we're looking at this imperative for chief pharmacy officers to address the pharmacy technician shortage, some of the ways in which we can attack this particular dilemma are to, first off, look at the professional identity formation of our technician colleagues, or in other words, looking at how do we continue the professionalization of the pharmacy technician career. Another way that chief pharmacy officers can attack this challenge is to look at education and training opportunities as they relate to how we bring this new workforce into our organizations and properly educate and train them not only to meet the demands of today, but also be prepared for tomorrow. In addition to that, we identified looking at compensation and human resource tactics in regards to what our human resource departments need to do and advocate for in order to ensure long-term sustainable success for our pharmacy technician workforce. And then also looking at some of the non-monetary tactics, looking at what are some ways outside of compensation and outside of human resources 
can we look at improving the lives of our pharmacy technician colleagues and also providing additional opportunities for them to grow both personally and professionally? So an important list of key points. Let's just dive into some of them in, in greater detail for, for a while. And, and, and Mark, again, I'll start with you. Professional identity formation has been an area of focus in the doctor of pharmacy curriculum as well. So I'm wondering if you could talk a bit about its applications for pharmacy technician students and the pharmacy technician workforce. And I'm going to give everybody a chance to jump in here. And But again, Mark, if you could start us off. Thanks, Dan. I think we've done a super job with our colleges of pharmacy, bringing the pharmacy students in with the white coat days and and taking the pictures and giving them the accolades for getting to this step in their career path. I think as we have technicians coming into our technician training programs and certainly onboarding in our departments, spending time and being intentional about that time you spend on what being a professional and a practitioner in a pharmacy department is all about, what value that brings to the patient, what value that brings to the nurse and the physician who are supporting that patient at the bedside, and and the role that the technician plays in terms of all of that package. And so I think it's important for us to, to think about ways to advocate as we onboard these folks in our departments how we set them up with professional identities and then augment those with career ladders and expanded roles because we've got to get back to the basics of you are an important part of our department. We need you to be successful in terms of our total patient care model that we have for our practice at your at a hospital. And I just see that as a gap that we need to close as CPOs moving forward in, in the end of the pandemic and, and as we reboot and, and restart our technician recruitment and our technician programs in general. Got it. So Matthew, what does, as a pharmacy technician, what does professional identity formation mean for you personally? You know, this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. I've been really searching for the identification of what does it mean to be a pharmacy technician? I think in the early stages of my career, a common phrase I heard were, oh, I'm just a pharmacy technician. Oh, you're just a part-time pharmacy tech. And that really undermines the value we bring to the department because yes, I am a pharmacy technician. So really identifying not only as an integral part of the pharmacy, but also in the healthcare system as a healthcare professional. So I think professional identity formation is something that occurs over a long period of time. But to Mark's point, I think the initial stages are crucial in regards to the formation of that professional identity. One other thing I'd like to add on to Mark's comments as well is that often our career is viewed as a stepping stone. And that is a very hard hurdle to overcome, especially when you're looking at other allied health professions that in some cases may or may not also be viewed as stepping stones. The challenge we have within pharmacy is that these advanced roles that pharmacy technicians are now able to partake in require extensive knowledge, education, and training. And ensuring that our incoming pharmacy technician workforce is aware of what those opportunities are and then working to Again, first off, help them identify as a healthcare professional, but then look at the opportunities available to you in the future will yield that long-term success that we're looking for. So for me, it's been a 20-year journey to come to the conclusion that, yes, 
I am a pharmacy technician. I'm very proud of the service and work that I bring to the pharmacy department. And I truly feel that without pharmacy technicians forming the backbone of our pharmacy workforce, a lot of these advanced initiatives and ways in which we are continuing to advance our profession would just crumble at the seams. And we're seeing that as a result of the pharmacy technician shortage. How do you, you, you're responsible for the training of pharmacy technicians at Mayo Clinic and really across several sites. How do you impart that pride in your students that you work with on a daily basis at Mayo? I think a lot of that is, again, living out the values and being cognizant of the terminology and ways in which you describe the profession. So again, when I meet our students for the first time when they come on campus, I introduce myself as a pharmacy technician education coordinator, and I have a conversation with them about you are entering at a vital time in the environmental landscape as it relates to the healthcare profession. And as a pharmacy technician, what you do matters as we bring value and service to the patients in whom we serve. So I think a lot of it is just the daily living out the values and kind of being a model for what being a healthcare professional looks like, but also to Mark's point, being intentional about talking about it and having it be a part of the curriculum. We have a career development course as a part of our accredited education and training that's all about learning techniques associated with working with individuals, interviewing techniques, behavioral uh, skill development, leadership development, And a lot of these topics bring the pharmacy technician training to a whole new level and allow these individuals to identify, yes, I am a pharmacy technician. What value do I bring as a healthcare professional to the team at large? So education and training by nature of the curriculum can instill that into our students and also just the idea of being in a formal education and training program. Last thing I'll say is that I am very intentional about calling our program not just the training program, but it's an education and training program. So really being intentional about, again, the language we use to describe what we are doing with these new incoming pharmacy technicians is critical to ensure that professional identity formation. Um, I imagine that you've really seen the, over the arc of your career, you've seen this issue of professional identity formation, not only for pharmacy technicians, but certainly for pharmacists as well, but but for pharmacy technicians, uh, Evolve, I'm interested in your perspectives here. I think Matt really hit it on the head as far as evolution. I would say early in my career, that I would say the pharmacy technician was really important in the pharmacy department. What I believe has changed significantly in the last decade or two is that the pharmacy technician is now important to more than just the pharmacy department. They're important to the hospital and to the clinic and to the health system's well-being and maybe most importantly to the patient. I've often said that if the general public understood what a pharmacy technician did in a contemporary health system, that they would demand that they get paid more and held to academic standard requirements. So Tom, along those lines, and you you know, you talk about academic standard requirements, but Part of the the entire issue of professional identity formation is also being a lifelong learner 
And where do you see lifelong learning activities for pharmacy technicians? The three of you talk about this in the article. Can you can you speak to that a bit? There's the sort of obvious in front of you stuff around continuing education, but but to me it's it's more than that, and it's part and parcel to that the formation of uh, you know a professional identity that it, it's just in you that you expect to um, learn throughout your life. You're never done learning. You're always looking for the opportunity to improve on what you're doing and to look for opportunities to do things that are outside of your boundaries. It's more of a way of thinking, in my view, than just completing CE every year or two. Matthew, do you agree with that? Again, you you walk this walk. So do you sort of do you agree with that assessment of lifelong learning for a pharmacy technician? Yeah, I absolutely believe that lifelong learning is critical to pharmacy technician success. I think we're very fortunate as a profession right now to have many opportunities for pharmacy technicians to be involved in advanced education and training. And kind of in line with professional identity formation, also being able to offer pharmacy technicians opportunity for lifelong learning as it relates to leadership development, as it relates to, again, highly specialized skill development. I think it's it's kind of like Tom mentioned, it's a way of being. It's I am a lifelong learner. That goes in line with the professional identity formation of I'm a pharmacy technician. To be able to serve the patient to the highest order, I continually have to grow as a healthcare professional in order to gain the knowledge and skills necessary to succeed in the profession. So I think once, if we're doing our job well in regards to that professional identity formation, that hunger gets sustained in the individuals to learn and to grow as a lifelong learner. And what we see is that we now have teams of pharmacy technicians who are highly educated and highly experienced with very specialized skills that they bring to the table. And as Mark nicely put earlier, we're kind of a product. uh, Our success is creating some challenges because now we have technicians who are performing these incredibly specialized and highly advanced roles being relegated back to primary dispensing roles or even having pharmacists jump into those So having that team of pharmacy technicians ready to meet those challenges is critical. And that all starts with the beginning stages, again, creating that professional identity. Mark, one of the areas that the author team focused on, that you as an author team focused on in in the CPO perspectives was the issue of a culture of respect. And, And I'm curious about what made you decide to prioritize that topic in the column? So we just finished our culture survey here at the medical center and respect amongst employees was one of the things that we highlighted that we need to work on. Um, As we deal with patients in this current time who are have unrealistic expectations, I guess I'll say in terms of, of how they're treated who want to be abusive to our nursing staff and to our pharmacy staff who come into the room, who are very demanding, who have just, again, really unrealistic expectations for their care. 
wanting to smoke in the room, wanting to have colleagues come into the room with illicit drugs and take those drugs while they're in the room. I, I mean, it's just uh, amazing what what we're dealing with in, in hospitals these days uh, with our patient population. So it rolls from there uh, in terms of how we treat each other in the pharmacy, how we treat each other on the floor, and, and getting back to the basics of respect and and acknowledging everyone's contributions and everyone's value to me is is just a rudimentary work behavior that we need to be focusing on at this time so that we can get back to that mutual respect that team building and then begin to function as a cohesive group caring for patients you made some specific points, some specific recommendations in the article for CPOs in terms of the of steps that can be taken around establishment of a culture of respect. Do you want to maybe walk us through those? Well, one of the things we weren't able to put into the article that I just wanted to highlight during this time that we've used here, we have a pharmacy operational value statement that when folks are onboarded into the department, they actually see and hear Jim Heyman, our CPO, going through those and setting the expectations for what behavior in the pharmacy is going to look like when those folks come in. And I know a number of other organizations use this same tactic. They may have uh, a mission statement, an organizational operational value statement. We call it a credo in terms of how we treat each other. And so, again, being intentional about focusing on those topics and then reinforcing them, especially during that 30, 90, 180-day period when you're going through an onboarding and then annually in a performance review and ongoing review, I think is just vital to being able to set up and maintain that culture of respect that's so critical to our team building and our departmental performance. Tom, what would you add on this topic of a culture of respect? Yeah, I think Mark did a nice job summarizing the importance of culture of respect. And I think it goes beyond, this is not a pharmacy technician versus pharmacist thing. This is the entire team. Specific to pharmacy technicians, though, I think it's helpful to remind everybody on the care team, pharmacists, leaders, nurses, physicians, how much of an impact to the patient, the work that the pharmacy technician does. It's often highlighted when something goes wrong, but the true impact is the 99.9% of the time that everything goes right. When a patient is cured of the disease or has improvement in their disease, in part, that's because the pharmacy technician and every other care team member did their part in taking care of that patient. Matthew, at, at Mayo Clinic, as you're onboarding pharmacy technician students, how do you engage in this discussion about a culture of respect, uh, both with the technician students, but also with the pharmacists that you work at? And Tom just said it's it's really not, you know, it's really not an issue of pharmacists versus pharmacy technicians specifically, but but nonetheless. It is one of the issues that you hit on in the paper. How, how do you tackle this at Mayo? I think the biggest way we tackle this is to create a team of collaboration. Again, one of the things we really focus on in our pharmacy technician programming is to demonstrate to our pharmacy technician students and any incoming pharmacy technician learners 
that you are not, I'll use the phrase again, just a pharmacy technician. You are joining a team that is all here to provide service to the patient in the most respectful manner possible. I do think that Again, a lot of the work towards teaching individuals how to be respectful to a patient population is contained within the curriculum associated with many of these education and training programs. As Mark mentioned, it's also a part of our value statements in regards to the concept of rich ties, really ensuring respect and integrity amongst all the service that we provide. But I will say that there is a big component of this related to the respect you feel within your own department. Many of our departments have, I've heard the phrase revolving doors of pharmacy technicians coming in and out. And I've heard many phrases such as, I don't even know who's working here anymore. It's just the new pharmacy tech. And I think taking the time to learn each individual, learn their name, learn the strengths and weaknesses they bring to the table and identify how we can leverage those strengths to provide the best service to the patient really does create a culture of respect within the departments. Many departments are doing an absolutely phenomenal and tremendous job of doing this. But I do think as a profession, once again, we do have an opportunity to continue fostering that culture of you are, yes, you are brand new to the healthcare profession. You are a new pharmacy technician. What? Let's talk about the strengths you bring to the table. Let me tell you about, let me tell you about why what you do matters in regards to the service you bring to the patient. So I think it's creating a team of collaboration as well as just creating that culture of we are all one here to service the patient. Yeah, great point. Great point. So all of you have alluded to this to some degree in the, the conversations so far, but the big elephant in the room is the issue of compensation for, for pharmacy technicians. And I guess, Mark, maybe if you could just start us off talking about what the challenges are there. And I think we want to spend a, a bit of time on uh, in, this, in this arena to, to really just sort through some of these issues. But again, Mark, if you could start us off. So Dan, thank you for that comment. Um, I, I think we're constrained a little bit by how our compensation analyses occur as we try to benchmark in our local markets. Obviously, we benchmark in the retail space as well as the health system space. If you're using tools that benchmark at the entry level and then extrapolate to career paths that you set in your organization that may not be in the market assessment, the HR team may be making decisions on where to slot those positions in the structure that may not be accurate based off the work being done. And so the CPO being involved in that process and providing advice on where those slottings need to happen is critical as we continue our market assessment and our compensation adjustments as we see we're out of out of line with where the market is. But I think that's just a basic function that I would encourage. And then just the compensation that you have from a career ladder as technicians move out of the dispensing area into the technology, into the compliance and quality, into even safety, and then the business operations. Those, again, are roles that may not be able to be benchmarked if you're looking at a health system, because those roles may be in other departments, other companies outside of the pharmacy in terms of how you're benchmarking. So just being cognizant 
of that as the CPO and being able to have a dialogue with your HR and compensation team, I think is important as you begin to build and revamp this structure that we've talked about. And then the, the thing that Matt mentioned earlier that I think is so important here is getting back to an educational basis for our technicians where we require a certain degree of, of education beyond a high school diploma that puts us on par with our colleagues, perhaps in radiology, our rad techs, that I think have done a better job in this space than certainly we have in pharmacy. There are a number of AJHP publications about this concept, and I think that's something we need to focus on as we try to move the needle on technician compensation. Matt, Tom, do you have other thoughts? And I wanted to go to Tom first there because, Tom, I'm wondering about your advice having having been in that pharmacy executive's chair for a long time, what strategies you applied to collaborate successfully with your colleagues and human resources to try to tackle this? I do think it's critical to, to truly partner with your HR and compensation colleagues, meaning that there's a, a mutual understanding of what the problem is and a mutual agreement to identify creative solutions. And I think uh, I've certainly seen examples of where we've made good strides. I would say my assessment of my career long work on this would be somewhere in the B minus uh, category. I think there was a lot of opportunity left on the table and not to make excuses, but I, I believe it was in large part to attributed to the way compensation and HR looked at the role of the pharmacy technician. And while I agree with Mark in terms of pushing forward with educational requirements for pharmacy technicians, I, I believe that's a right and noble thing to be doing. It's, good, it's the right thing for the patients. It's the right thing for the pharmacy technicians. The reality is the vast majority of our pharmacy technicians right now don't have such an educational background and if anything, in, during the pandemic, what we found is a, is a little bit more flexibility from our HR and compensation partners in terms of looking at the value that's provided independent of the educational background. Let's say in the past, the conversation was, well, what's the educational requirement? Well, there really wasn't one beyond high school for a lot of these roles, and there was an algorithm where HR and comp placed the pharmacy technician because of that. I believe that that was faulty thinking um, and was pervasive in, in healthcare systems. And I've seen that being adjusted now because in part, pharmacy technicians are being lost not to the retail chains and not to other health systems, but they're being lost to non-healthcare. And you know, at some point, there's enough data or observations in your face that you have to look at what your long, long-standing algorithms were and question them. So I believe that that is happening now, and I, I believe it will benefit the compensation practices for health systems across the country. Maybe not everyone, but hopefully it will make some inroads. So Matthew, at the, the beginning of our discussion, you as you introduced the areas of focus in the article, you also you mentioned non-monetary paths. And so what are some of those and why do they matter? 
I think as a pharmacy technician, one of the biggest challenges we are constantly confronted with is how do we manage the demands of our life, given the compensation that we're afforded as part of our positions? Just like anyone else, we have children, we have other obligations we need to attend to. And in part due to some of these compensation structures, many of our pharmacy technician colleagues have a full-time job and a part-time job. Some even have two full-time jobs to be able to provide for their families. So I think there are a lot of tactics you can look at in order to alleviate some of that stress over the pharmacy technician population. One of the biggest ones that always sticks out to me, having been a pharmacy technician for many years and having worked with so many colleagues, is the idea of scheduling. When you look at uh, satisfaction surveys or potential reasons for leaving that pharmacy technicians may be leaving the profession in general, is the inflexibility of the schedule. Again, it's challenging because we have to meet the demands of patient care. In most of our organizations, it's a 24-7, 365 operation working on holidays, weekends, evenings, and nights. But the challenges are that pharmacy technicians, again, given the compensation they have, also want to spend time with their families, may need to have a second and sometimes even third jobs. And being able to manage all of that stress is really challenging. So I think one thing organizations can do outside of the compensation matrix and outside of that structure is really look at alternative scheduling options. You know, many organizations look at the notion of seven on seven off or look at 10 hour shifts, four days a week versus five, eight hour shifts. These are all things that the department can look at strategically, ensure that they're still meeting the needs of the patient, but think a little differently about how we divide up the work amongst our pharmacy technician colleagues. Another idea are departmentally sponsored benefits. Again, as an organization, we typically have benefit packages that were afforded, but maybe there are some incentives our departments can put into place to help with that work-life balance. As an organization, partnering for things like childcare services, figuring out ways to, again, take care of our families while taking care of the needs of the patient. So I think, you know, I think it all starts with the schedule. In my personal opinion, that's one of the biggest challenges and definitely the most clear indicators as evidenced by research and many interdepartmental surveys. But I think it can extend beyond that. So Mark, a minute ago, Matthew used the word stress. There's been a lot of focus on well-being and resilience in pharmacy. But has there been sufficient focus on the pharmacy technician member of the pharmacy team in terms of their well-being and resilience? I think that's a great area for us to focus on, Dan, because we've been focusing on wellness from a pharmacist perspective through various ASHP publications and, and programs. But to Matt's point, there are some issues that technicians have that pharmacists don't have and juggling the three jobs juggling the difficulty with you know paying your bills and supporting your family and and completing the activities that you have personally outside of work create stressors that are specific to that that workforce that we need to be thinking about so i think his comments about schedule are are spot on i think we can take a page out of our nursing colleagues playbook and even consider 312s to offer you know advanced different opportunities for scheduling I know my daughter's a nurse and, and that's a, a benefit that she very much enjoys with her job because after she works for three days, she's she's got the next four off sometimes. So that, but I think 
as we talk about wellness and we sit down with our technicians and we we do our annual reviews asking them questions that get to their levels of stress their levels of burnout and being focused on giving them tactics and tools that they can use to deal with those challenges that they're facing personally I think is a huge opportunity for for us as pharmacy leaders to give those resources uh, to our technician managers and our technician frontline staff to be able to respond to the challenges we're facing at this time. Just listening to the conversation, I'm reading Alexander Hamilton now. I'm a little behind on my reading. And just the resources that he was given in the developmental stages of his life that helped give him the tools to be you know, the great leader he became, I think it's a lesson that we need to apply as CPOs that we have access to resources that we need to be intentional about giving our technician leaders and our frontline technicians to deal with some of these challenges we're facing today. It improves engagement. It improves their sense that somebody cares and improves their sense that they have value and they belong. Reflecting on Hamilton is a perfect place to wrap up our discussion today. And you've all given, I think, listeners and readers uh, a lot to think about and a lot of clear guidance. So that is all the time we have today. I want to thank Matthew Rewald, Tom Waller, and Mark Sullivan for joining me to discuss their article, Stabilizing the Pharmacy Technician Workforce as an Imperative for the Chief Pharmacy Officer, which was recently published on AJHP.org. Please join us here each month for discussions on contemporary practice issues and interviews with AJHP authors. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your colleagues and via your social media of choice. Thanks, gentlemen. Thank you for listening to AJHP Voices. For more information about AJHP, the premier source for impactful, relevant, and cutting-edge professional and scientific content that drives optimal medication use and health outcomes, please visit AJHP.org.